Okay, so in five, four, three. Hi, and welcome to this episode of The RPG Show. My name's Brent, I'm your host, and with me today, I have Nick. Let's read this dialogue again. Gantner, what's happening, brother? Yeah, just, just reading the dialogue again. That's if, right. If you had given me a fucking transcript of what you said, I would have been able to just cop, like, just say what you said. That would have been a better joke. I hate you. Well, you gotta no-sell my shit, man. Right at the top of the show. Just no sell, every time. I don't. Don't I no sell everything? <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. All right. It's, well, it's the guy that that fucking upsells everything, and, and then compared with the guy that no sells everything. There you go. That's that's a match made in heaven. All right. So if you're new here, this is the RPG show. What we do is we rate, review, and talk about RPG things. So, today, we have a review ready for you, one that's been some time in the making now, and that is, of course, the the Soikoden 3 from the PS2. Uh, do you have any interesting information about Soikoden 3, Nate? Uh, yeah, it's the last uh, Soikoden game that the creator of the series worked on. Okay. And it's the last uh, entry in the series, uh, by extension, that covers uh, the same geographic location mm-hmm. uh so you've got uh like i think it's uh done in in the suikoden one and then you got like uh jousten and highlands in suikoden two and then you've got north of that um like venedale's xa um the grasslands with the all the tribes um and then kind of Sandwiched between all of them, uh, the Holy Kingdom of Harmonia. Uh, so all these games kind of encompass the same general geographic area, whereas uh, after the creator of the series kind of, uh, I guess, got forced out. I don't, I don't remember exactly what happened to the guy. Uh, but the people that worked on the series afterwards were like, I don't know, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. We're just going to do a game before 100 years in the future and then kind of go from there. Uh, so like Sweden's four is like 400 years in the future, way south uh, of everything that's happened before, and then Sweden five, I believe, is even further south, but I can't remember. Because all I remember is that there's, um, it's like a, it's on a southern continent uh, as opposed to the other games, because uh, north of the continent is where all the ships are, and uh, you've got references to Sweden three in it. Um, I think with the Kuluk, 
Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, so yeah, that's I guess that's whatever information you Didn't, want. Wasn't uh, man, I thought Soaked in Five had something to do with Harmonia in it. I thought there was something in there. No, you got like the the Kingdom of Thalena, mm-hmm. which is where uh, Fredor and everybody is from, and then uh, Kuluk is north of that. I don't okay. think Harmonia is in it anywhere, but I it's been. It's been a long time since I've played 5, yeah. It's been a hot minute. But, um, so yeah, so Soikin 3. So that's that's there's your little intro to Soikin 3. Uh, if you're new here, we tend to do with these games, we break them into a few categories. We get gameplay, story, visuals, music, overall experience, and replayability. We score them each 1 through 5. We do allow half scores because Nick fucked that system way early on. And, uh, yeah, that's basically it. So, no what's that? Fucked it with no lube. No lube, just just raw dogged it. Bite the pillow, I'm going in dry. That's Nick's motto. And mine's uh, always salty, never kosher. So. <laughs> uh, that's, oh, that's, that's just life. So. You, need, you know we need to have these taglines like on that running banner on the bottom, right? Yeah, just so it whiffs across. Always salty, never kosher. It whiffs across. Bite the pillow, I'm going in dry. Yeah. So that'd be great. That's a good plan. Um, so or, or hell, even just having like under quotes under the names. Uh sure. That's that's great. That's that's a good plan. That's what, what I'll do. I'll, I'll I'll get right on that, Nick. Uh, oh so, yes, I'm expecting it next time. So first up, like always, is gameplay. So there's a few things to cover here. Uh, first off, you have it's a you got random battles, of course. You have, but you also have like characters that you can run into on the overworld to trigger battles as well. I think there's two cuz there are some enemies you run into on the map to trigger the battles, but most of the time it's just random turn-based battles. Um it's usually when there's uh like plot scenarios happening. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like as as opposed to like oh you're just roaming around and then oh you encounter some things uh versus like uh people are after us or whatever we got to avoid them if we can kind of weird thing yeah so um and like every other slating game there are you have your normal hero battles and then you have uh army battles as well uh that that makes a return in this uh you have various character progression well it's mostly just the training and level up system uh, that is your character progression. Of course, you can you know you still have runes to equip runes and equipment. But uh, do you mind to ex- kind of explain the the training system a little bit? Okay. Um, so this game, uh, which is I would say an improvement on the previous games, uh, there are skill sets you can have for your characters. Each character can have a certain amount of skills. Um, like some characters may have like four slots available for free skills. You can pop in and out with like two set. Uh, that you can't remove or can't forget, um, as the, the in-game terminology would be. Um, and they can either be physical-based or magical-based. Um, so generally, some characters will have, like, if uh, you go into the physical-based skills, it would be, like, swing, uh, heavy damage, parry. Uh, or on the magical side of things, mainly uh, stuff to, like, make spellcasting faster or to get uh, a bonus, like, a specialized in a... A certain school of magic, whether that be fire or water or wind or what have you. Um, and you fight battles uh, and you get 
skill points that you go to either a tutor or a martial arts master or whatever. It's, it's different sometimes. It'll be like a, a trainer, like some random dude in a town. Sometimes you have to go like find some random person uh, who like is just standing in the middle of fucking nowhere and you talk to him like, oh yeah, I could teach you whatever. And you're like, oh, nice. Where's your sign? Asshole, that would have been helpful. Cough, um, cough, the first village with Hugo. Cough, cough. I didn't yeah. even know that dude was a fucking trainer until the second time I started this game. And I was just like, glanced over and it said something about stopping at a trainer. I'm like, hold the fucking phone. There's a trainer in here? What the shit? It's a, and it's a callback to uh, SNES and NES RPGs where you gotta talk to everybody. But this isn't SNES and NES RPGs. This is a fucking PlayStation 2 game, Nick. Yeah. So how am I supposed to know, RPG, how am I supposed to know the dude talk. just standing there like, bro, I'll teach you how to swing a sword, bro. So if you're not if you're not talking to everybody in an RPG, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, no. Well, I didn't see him the first time, to be honest, because he's kind of yeah. Off he's to at the like side. that weird angle where you have to like go around the corner of the screen and like the fucking camera angle flip, and you're like, oh, there's, there's some random dude standing here. Okay. Yeah, the camera in this game is is something special, Nick. Uh, especially because they they do this weird. I mean, it's a 3D game, but they got this weird three quarter view on you sometimes. But yeah. you're on a flat plane, but not and the build-ins will get between you and the camera and it's hard to tell when you're going to go into the next screen it's it's real there it's real special it's um it's definitely not the best yeah it's 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 something it's something else but then again this is their first sort of foray into uh 3d 3D. so i guess i can give them a little bit of leeway with that camera but uh that was that was a persistent issue uh, for me at least. Now, in addition to, so you have the skill set up, and then you also have, um, in your battles, this is different than previous Soikidens, right? So, in previous. Oh, it's vastly different, yeah. Yeah, so in previous Soikidens, you have a six member team, and they each act independently, kind of on a, uh, you know, your standard turn based battle type. Uh, functionality. It's all kind of boom, 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 boom. Commands do, commands do kind of thing. This, you have three rows of pairs or columns, you should say, I guess, because you have... Well, it's, it's called the pair-up system, I guess. Yeah, so, so uh, you have this, this pair-up system where each character kind of has a partner in, in crime. Um, I'll let you kind of go more in depth. So explain the pair-up system a little better. Okay. Um, so essentially... I don't know why they did this, but they have, uh, kind of like Britt was saying, you essentially have three characters. You form a six-character party, but you have three characters. Uh, what I mean by that is when you get into a battle, you are able to choose commands for one of the two characters in a pair uh, at a time. The other character, depending on if they're a melee character or uh, more magically inclined, they will they have some AI kind of thing that will do things for them, sort of. Uh, so let's say that you got like at the very beginning of like ghetto's uh, path, you got like ghetto queen, ace, uh, Jacques, and Joker. Um, you like a good party formation would be to have like ghetto and uh, ace together, queen and Joker together, and then Jacques by himself. Um, or I guess it really wouldn't matter because Jacques would stand behind anyway uh, and shoot shit anyway. Anyway. Um, in that kind of scenario, you would have to choose between uh, ghetto using a rune command or an item command or physically attacking or having uh, ace do it. 
and then you would move on to the next pair. You'd have either Queen or Joker uh, make a command, and then you'd have Jacques last, and you would do whatever you want with him because he's by himself. Uh, when you confirm your commands, whatever commands you entered for your character would happen, and then the uh, AI-controlled character does whatever they are naturally inclined to do. If so that's uh, Ace, he will run up and swing his uh, size at some dudes. Joke will run up and punch some dudes. Um, there's also, they added, like, a... They kind of ripped off Grandia a little bit, where there is uh, time uh, in a round. Uh, and what I mean by that is your character will have, like, action points. And so they'll use some of their action points to move. And if there's enough remaining, uh, they will perform an attack if you've done uh, selected, like, regular attacking. Um, and you can kind of get skills to, like, swing to increase the, um, or I guess shorten the amount of uh, time. I don't know what the proper terminology is, but the amount of time it takes to perform that action. Uh, I think, like, you get a Holy Rune, or fuck. Is it Holy Rune? I a skill so. that makes you, you move faster uh, in combat, so you use less of your action points for that seems right. movement. So, um, it's, it's, instead of, that's a major departure, because instead of it being an actual fucking rune, like it was in previous games, that you move faster on the world map, because there's technically no world map movement on this game. Um, or I guess overworld. There is overworld movement, but no. Well, no, it's I'm, technically the point-to-points on the map, but it's not, yeah. it's not your standard overworld. It's not free roam. Yeah kind of thing, exploration, whatever. Uh, so yeah, so like you, you, everything takes movement or like action points or whatever, movement, moving. Yeah, so everything attacking. takes place on a field. So on this field, positioning sort of matters. Like you can't, you're not just guys on this uh, side of the screen and guys on this side of the screen where you're just going to do a thing over here and it's going to affect the guy over here. Your character actually has to get really? from here to here and that takes up some of the time or action yeah and i'd say positioning only really matters the very first turn of combat where you really want to fire off all your aoe spells that could like amaze mainly fire spells that will inflict uh uh fucking team damage um otherwise because but what's going to happen is if you don't fire off those spells first all your melee guys are going to run up and just start meleeing the enemies and then if you try to cast a spell they're all going to be in the fucking aoe yeah because friendly so, fire is a bitch in this game like in a half. and uh, you can uh, your characters can technically dodge the attacks like they're more likely to dodge friendly fire attacks than they are enemy attacks but don't like rely on that like you'll fucking send a nuke down and your character like your fucking strongest character will uh just fucking get like one shot with, like 500 damage and you're like okay whatever i guess i'll have to fucking waste a turn reviving your ass yeah um and that's really the big difference in combat. It's more of a an active thing, even though it's still turn based. And there's so there's more micromanaging you have to do, uh, which they kind of let you adjust via the skills. Um, a big downgrade from the previous games, where they had uh, every character had just kind of an open inventory space, uh, is that in this uh, game your character has their weapon. Uh, which obviously you can't change. You just go to the blacksmith and upgrade. Um, a slot for armor, helmets, and uh, I think it's pants, and then three slots for accessories. Yep. Um, as a, so that's, what, like six 
uh, inventory slots as opposed to the previous games, I think had 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of counterbalance that, you have an open party inventory, uh, which I think has five pages of five items each. Uh, so you kind of get 25 floating items, but I found that uh, a lot of my inventory space was being held up by like uh, trade items, mm-hmm. or until you get the Castle Buddha Heck, you can actually store shit. Like random fucking, if you, unless you sell them, like random shit that enemies drop, like uh, bath beads and all this kind of shit. Um, and uh, otherwise, uh, they added some different, like more healing items and more uh, attack based items that you have to, you have to pretty much choose between having accessories or having combat items. Yes. Which is a really big pain in the ass, because uh, like other the other weekend games, you could have like a cape, you could have uh, a pair of boots, you could have uh, a ring or whatever the fuck you want, and then you can have something else equipped, and then you can still have like three fucking mega medicines. Yeah. In your goddamn inventory, whereas this one, uh, you're fucked. But I mean, they've added a thing where if you're in combat and you have an empty inventory space, you can waste a turn digging. Uh, an item out of your party inventory and putting it into your character inventory so that you can use it next turn, presumably. If you presumably, haven't died already. If you haven't died already, yeah, no, because if you play the games like we do, if you're using an item, that means you're already kind of fucked, so... <laughs> 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 it is the way it is, but yeah. uh, there's there's that, and overall, because I, I want to go back to the pairing system, I think they did the pairing system, I think I read... That they they put the pairing system in as a way to streamline combat, so you weren't selecting as many commands because uh, they were having trouble with the the like the responsiveness of the game, like it wasn't running as fast as they wanted to. So if you had to input okay. six commands, the battles would take two or th- almost three times as long. So I guess that's a thing because the game I could definitely feel where the game felt slower than previous iterations like you know because you think of Soikin in 2 it's just like bam 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 and you're just kind of rolling through and doing the thing and they're jumping around and being crazy and this one it's like a chink 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 well yeah it's because this is the only Soikin game where they did some stupid fucking field shit Soikin in 1 and 2 you've got your characters on one side the enemies on the other Soikin in 4 and 5 you've got your characters on one side the enemies on the other so I think they're like, oh, we'll try something new. We have a 3D space. We'll do. We'll use the 3D space, and then they're just like, wow, this is the fucking stupidest goddamn idea. Yeah, and and honestly, that that's the thing that I guess it's kind of my problem, my crux with some of the gameplay stuff here, is they feel like they're going through these experimental stages that every other developer did on the PS1. Right, because you think about everybody else stepping into 3D space on the PS1, they're like, okay, do we need to move around a field? Do we need a grid? Do we need to do all these little things that was the transition from 3D to t- from 2D to 3D? But these people, you know, these these guys, they they did 2D all the way through the PS1. This is their first 3D game, and it feels like now they're just now hitting those those learning steps instead of paying attention to what everybody else went through on the PS1, then came back to. But then again, you know, that's that's just looking at it after the fact. We don't know. I don't I don't have in front of me the development cycle on this. They could have been in development of this for way longer and didn't get to see all those things happen or they were too far in development, what have you. Well, I'll give a little credit there. But it just feels like this is stuff that, that, that everybody else was figuring out a generation well, if, ago. 
even if they wanted a field movement system in combat, all they had to do was look at Grandia. Yeah. They had 2D, and they had field movement in combat and an active time, uh, like time movement in the combat system. And they they did it vastly superior. Even in Grandia 2, the gameplay is vastly vastly superior to Sweden 3 uh, in combat. 100%. I think, I think that's one of the weakest points of Soikoden 3, at least, um in my book is is the the combat was just kind of, there's a lot of esoterica to it and a lot of not it's not clean and it's not cuz that's what makes 1 and 2 so good right is that it's just this this thing there's not a lot of weirdness about it it's it is what it is and it does what it does but so you can in 3 you're like okay but these are two characters. What's the other guy going to do? Is he just going to try and do the same thing the first guy does? Or is he just going to... What... What? And why is... When is this happening? Why isn't he gone yet? Is the... There's a charging on the magic that's happening, but I don't have any sort of graphical anything to really tell me um, efficiently where that's... How that's working or anything like that. It's kind of just trial and error until you look up and you're like, oh, I guess, okay... Well, when you pick a spell, you get the uh, you sh- it shows up on the bar, uh, like a charge time thing, and it, depending if it goes past like a certain notch, you know. Yeah, it'll so pick. it'll take an extra turn or not. But if if you just go on face value, you get the little marker in the in the turn counter up top. But sometimes that'll come around, and that's that's just him prepping because it's past that or before yeah. that that action wall window. Like I, that's what I mean. It's a lot of this esoterica bullshit that yeah. is not intuitive and in my book thus not fun or interesting because it's not it's not clear it's not really defined it's not it's just this fucking miasma of bullshit if you ask me um that doesn't mean that it's unplayable or even garbage it just it's one of those things where there's such a high barrier to entry Yes. That it puts off a lot of people, but if you're able to surmount that barrier and like kind of understand the system, uh, it's a little wonky, but you can glean some fun from it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a um, it's one of those things where it is there's there's a lot of aspects to it that can be tweaked, you can play with with your skills and your runes, and you can you can really uh, there's a lot of knobs to turn. Really, there is when you once you open up the system, but I think you're right. There's such a fucking wall to it that it. I don't know. Like it, it either threw me off. I just even even once I had unlocked more stuff to do, I I still was like, eh, fucking, I'm fine. I'm good. It's a shame because I think otherwise it's a great game. It's just it went from simple combat system with a a bit of. I guess I would say a lot of uh, customization. Yeah. Like you can you get three slots for ruins typically with a character. You can equip different uh, items and even they even have combat items in like Switching Two. Uh, so you can kind of there's like a well, I don't know how many ruins there were in Switching Two, but there's a lot of ruins. You could do a, a lot of things with all your different characters. You had so many characters, you could have each character be unique if you really wanted it to be. And so when you go into combat. You kind of don't. It doesn't take long to figure the system out because it's fucking uh, fight, attack, or use fucking ruin or use an item. 
and you go from there. Yeah, but, but there was a lot of layers of customization outside of combat to create different things you could do unexpectedly almost sometimes in combat with a lot of those character combos and things like that that happened in Soikin 2. Yeah. Um, and I'm not to say that this system is without any of those those customizable things. It's, it's just, just buried fucking deep. It's buried deep, and it's not presented in a way uh, that is is accessible right so uh, i hate to use the word but a system, like, this is the dark souls no assist no a system <laughs> like this needs a tutorial it needs a, a simple agree. intro tutorial but the way they have laid out the plot in the story makes that impossible because they can't where do you start like which which tutor where is the tutorial at so unless you divide those systems up into the three first chapters, because I honestly don't think they had the the know-how or the ability to say, he picked this one first, that means we need this whole other tutorial story section in Hugo's chapter, or in Chris's chapter, or in Ghetto's well, chapter. What they should have done was made Thomas the prologue character. Absolutely. I agree 110%. Because then you could have him. His his fucking storyline is pretty much a tutorial, yeah. but you don't get to play it until you're like in chapter two, with, depending on how you've done uh, played the game already. Yeah, and it's like this. Why is this here? And it's also completely superfluous. You can you can if you don't pick his uh, POV before you get the choose the flame champion, you get locked out. So yeah. it's like, okay, why was I don't understand why this wasn't the prologue kind of thing because he has nothing to do with any of the plot until you pick a flame champion really because then they all go to the fucking castle yeah it's like i don't what the fuck we all thinking but whatever i also don't really like this in games but i feel like this game definitely could have used some kind of glossary glossary or uh it's something yeah, just in the like menu. A key terms in the menu yeah because uh, like, if you're buying skills and you're like, I don't know what this skill does, or it gives you like a stupid description, like, this makes you attack faster. You're like, uh, or your character swings faster or some shit. You're like, I don't really know what that means. Uh, can you explain how that ties into the combat for me? Because you can, uh, until like you've leveled up your speed or whatever with a character, you can max out swing, like S rank, and get maybe one fucking extra swing out of it. Whereas, once you've leveled up in your character's speed, however that ties into the fucking formula has increased, uh, allowing your character to get like five or six hits in per combat phase. Like nothing's so like you could go being like, oh, I'm gonna learn this up, learn the skills, skills and be great. You don't get the um, the feedback you were expecting from the, the skill purchase, and you fucking get rid of it until. And you fucking like, I'll just stick with something that seems basic, like heavy damage. That seems uh, the character has a chance of doing heavy damage. I'll just fucking use that because that uh, makes a little bit more sense to me. And it, just, just in o overall, the the way information is presented to you and you interact with the game around you is just it's non-intuitive. It's not. It's not, I should do this and this should happen, or I should do this and this information should be given to me. Just none of that happens. It's just kind of finger-fucking your way around menus and things and going into battle and seeing if it changed anything. Just a lot of this experimentation that can be fun in some games, but here felt frustrating. Like, there wasn't, there wasn't enough reward to the experimentation to make me feel like 
oh yeah, I should definitely be moving the guys around and putting them in different formations and different slots and seeing what happens. Like, that didn't feel good. It felt like, well, if you didn't fucking know that Hugo was going to mount on FUBAR, fuck off. Just... Oh, speaking of the pair-up stuff, uh, whereas the previous two uh, entries in the series, uh, no matter where the character was in your party, uh, if they had a Unite attack, they would be able to have that Unite attack. Yep. In this one, they have you to. have to pair them up. Unless it's a party-wide thing, where obviously you can't put five people in the fucking pair... Yes. Uh, then you have access to that Unite attack. And that's a thing it makes it so that when you add a new character to the party, you're like, I guess I have to fucking put them in every single slot with every fucking character that I want in this party to see if anybody's got a Unite attack. Because you have some weird shit like the little girl Shaven and fucking Sergeant Joe have a Unite attack. And Who the me, fuck? What this the fuck? This could have been me being stupid, but was there anywhere in the menu that told you that they had a unite attack once you put them in co- in a row together until you went into combat? Because I couldn't yes. find out a fucking way. When you're doing the party selection on the bottom left, okay, uh, where you see your uh, support character, uh, or like we have guest characters show up. Um, if there's a character that has a unite attack, you'll see their uh, images kind of paired together, and they'll have the name of the attack written above it. Okay, because I didn't see it. That was just me being stupid then, because I, I was like, well... It should have been, you should have seen it uh, with Ghetto, because uh, his five party members all had the, the yeah, attack. Okay, well, I missed it on me. But... It's, it's not very... Unless you're looking for it, really... It's not really... It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that great. But, uh, so... Also, another okay. thing against this fucking game is... Swigan so 1's army thing, rock, paper, scissors, okay. It's serviceable for your first uh, RPG entry. Okay, I understand. It's, it works okay. It's simple, just pretty much what they're going for with everything. Um, you have your uh, extra stuff you can make people do, like spies, ninjas, all kinds of cool stuff. Awesome. Swigan so 2, they're like, fuck that first army system. We've got the best army uh, combat system until Swigan 5. Here you fucking go. It's fucking turn uh, tactics. You make fucking squads. Everybody's got different skills. It's like, wow, this shit is fucking amazing. This is, I feel like I'm controlling an army. You get to Swigan and Three's army combat system. It's a fucking board game with the same fucking shitty combat, except you don't control anything. Yeah. They've taken, and you only get four people in a party now, I think, if I remember properly. But uh, it's like, what the what the fuck? Like you get into the the war screen, and you have like your routes that your characters can move. They can move one spot at a time, and you fucking move their uh, avatar and profile picture thing onto a spot. And then if you're into in an encounter with another uh, enemy party, they do this fucking automated combat thing, and then it's done. And anybody that's dead stays dead, and then uh, it goes back to the fucking map thing and you keep going i was so i was so fucking disappointed with this yep yep because i'm with you like so we get in three and we're just talking gameplay here like we haven't got anything else yet but just gameplay wise you got so you can one you're like man that's a solid little fucking game you got so you can two you're like god damn that's a good game you got so you can three it's like me hmm what happened hmm 
What's this? What's this? Because prior to us having played Soikoden 3, and this is, this, I guess this could go in overall experience or wherever you have you, but just based on gameplay, Nick always told me that, like, he always shown 4, like, it is the least Soikoden of Soikoden games. I beg to differ, good sir, and that this is the least Soikoden of all Soikoden games. Uh... I hadn't played it, fuck, like 15 years. And I guess I was just relying on the whole six-person party thing. Which where this, I, this is where really I not. My flag. It's, yeah, it's a three-person party thing. Uh, so yeah, I will admit I was incorrect. This is the least Suikoden and Suikoden game. Okay. Because right. having played it again, uh, pretty much all the systems are... Uh, it's, they're not a step forward, they're a step to the like back left. Over here, like, they're just... They're like, we're not moving forward anymore, we're just gonna go over here for some fucking reason. It's like, what the fuck are you... This is not... What are you doing? I don't understand what the fuck's happening here. Yeah. So, um, with that being said, what are some key uh, facets of gameplay that you really enjoy from Soikin and 3, Nick? I feel like we've been awfully harsh so far. Um, I enjoy that there are still uh, money tricks in this game. Like the previous games uh, where you had the mini games that you could abuse to make lots of potch. Uh, and this one you can abuse the lottery and saves coming to make lots of money. Yeah, but. And you uh, can do that passively. How about. Which is great. Where are the fucking mini games in this fucking thing? How about that? That, that? that is the mini game. What are you talking about? That's the only. Get. Don't you love lottery? Everybody loves a lottery. No. No. It's the least imaginative fucking minigame. And the fact that you have to... The, the way that you cheese it is even worse. Like, no thanks. You just don't talk to the lottery, dude. Make sure you've walked around for 30 minutes, save your game, and then save... Like the uh, software said, if you don't like uh, the results, bingo, bango, bongo. You won the lottery. Yeah. Congratulations. That's, that's how that works. So, um, I mean, is there anything else you like? Let's let's just try and stay positive for a hot minute. <laughs> well, I don't actually mind uh, the combat um, because once, like I said, once you kind of get over that barrier uh, and you understand like the nuances that are there and uh, how to make decent combinations of skills and stuff for your characters, uh, it's it's I found it pretty enjoyable. Uh, I remember when I played it uh, when I was younger. I think I don't know, this was like my second, third time. I spent a lot of time uh, just swapping characters in my party and grinding them up to like level 60 or whatever before the end of the game. And I don't know, I uh, enjoyed finding the different kind of combinations that you can get with the characters because it's a, I mean, it's still a sweet of the game. And you still have that kind of customization and that the combat and everything. It's, it's not the same, but it's, in spirit, the same. I don't know if you know what I mean. Like at the, at the basics, it's it's still a speaking game. You can see the skeleton there. Yeah, like it's it's it is what it is. Like there's a uh, carryovers of like it's just a bit more of a graphics thing, but like kind of carryovers of creatures from the previous games mm -hmm, and everything. Mm -hmm. and, um, I mean, I was gonna bring it up in replayability, but I'll bring it up here for gameplay and talk about it again. There is that I I, I agree with you on. Uh, the combat system feels like 
each time I play the game, I could get something new out of it. Like I could figure out another little bit or bob or, oh, there's another knob over here I can turn to make things skew this way and work this way for me in fights. So uh, I, I do see the depth there. I just, when it's covered in this veneer of... It's got a hard candy shell, but instead of candy, they used plaster. You know, it's it is what it's it is. It's not for you. I it's not for me. It's not for me. It, it it like I said, if if I were to play this game again, I think I would get something different from it each time I played this game. So let's say, you know, in three or four playthroughs of this game, you will get something different every time. I feel. Uh, as far as gameplay wise, unless the first time through you found something you really like doing, and but without a guide and just playing through, I think there's enough customization, enough characters, enough sort of esoterica and weirdness going on that each time you get better and better and better and more in tune with what's happening there. So that's that's uh, 100% a positive there. Um, it's just a barrier to entry there. Yeah, uh, I also like the. I guess it's just, it's a mix between gameplay and story. I liked the three uh, the Trinity system, as they they called it, the three points of view for the first three chapters. Um, even though it got a bit repetitive in certain instances, um, like where two characters meet and you kind of go through the uh, the the I guess the plot of what's happening uh, through each of their points of view, uh, I thought it was a, a really unique take on uh the way they told the story in this game yeah it's more of a story point but it's it it creates a little i mean it's it's gameplay because uh you have to pick which character you want to play as you can either go straight through the first three chapters you can jump between them uh to make it make more sense chronologically if you'd like um you can unlock different points of view like the fucking joke character you can play as the dog for a little bit if you get all 108 star or 103 stars i think it is actually in the main game uh you unlock the last point of view which is playing the game uh, through the villain's eyes uh which i thought was pretty cool mm-hmm. so uh i guess go ahead and score it for me then nick what are some uh, uh, i've got some negatives though okay go for your negatives then my bad i'm so, sorry my probably Aside from all the shit we already talked, the thing I disliked uh, not the most, but you know, we well enough was the over reliance on Potch for the beginning of the game. To, yeah, so if you're not if you don't know the lottery fucking trick, you're you're gonna be grinding a lot so much. Because uh the scaling is kind of fucking wonky. Uh like you'll get like some monsters uh or enemies that like when i was watching brent play like do 150 damage per hit against your characters and your characters have 250 health yeah it's like i don't know what the fuck's happening right now because i'm doing 50 damage per fucking attack and you're doing 150 on me this really doesn't make uh, very much sense right now because uh, here's in in like there's so especially in hugo's first chapter is what we're talking about here when you get to the point where you're running away from the uh trying to escape town right is what we're talking about? Yep. So, like, I did the optional quest, but you don't have to do that optional quest with the kids, I don't believe. No. So, like, you can really way miss that. That's not even really in front of you unless you go poking around for it. 
Yeah, and, and you don't get them as Stars of Destiny, I think, if you don't do that. These, so. these, um, and each of the areas that you could have combat in, that you would grind in like a normal RPG, are so small. Like the point from point A to point B is if you're just going along the line, you will gain nothing, like next to nothing, and they're not apparent. Like to me, just going through it that first time did not feel like okay this is an open space with lots of combat here i should grind here for a couple levels right get me a couple things before i go into town none of that felt like that it felt like okay i'm just going through this first little story bit and i'm gonna go through the woods and i'm gonna get this thing and no fuck no if you don't stop and grind you are so fucked so hella fucked yeah which is like it's something that this game really missed out on like in the first two games i guess i keep going back to them but i mean i mean how I could you not have to. this is Suikoden. like uh like Suikoden one like you, you're very like your mission your very first mission is like go to this mountain to stop these bandits and you walk across the world map the encounter rate is high enough that you, you get at least two or three encounters there you get into the the mountain pass thing you fight a lot of shit you fight a boss in there and then you go uh i can't remember dude's names the but like the the guy i think vargas mm-hmm. and uh the guy in yellow is fucking crazy with the tail i think he had a tail uh but anyway like you, you do that and that takes like a good maybe like hour or something like that and here uh, like say we'll, do, we'll use you go for reference because we're talking about that you start you spend like 30 fucking minutes in the first town doing talking and then you're on the world map finally you pick the first Location, it takes you maybe 30 seconds to walk from screen to uh, start to screen yeah, end. It's three you get maybe one combat. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not even talking about the forest yet. Like, you yeah. get the. Oh, yeah. No, that's just one screen. You'll get one combat. It takes. If, if, you, if you want to, you can go north to Duck Village, which has a different little uh, fucking grasslands thing that has. It's also one screen, but it takes maybe another you know, 30 seconds to walk through. So you might get some counters there. Um, but yeah, you like it takes thirty seconds. You get to fucking Brass Castle, I think it's uh, called, where you mm-hmm. do some more story bits for like twenty-five minutes. Uh, well, it's not that long. It's like maybe fifteen minutes. You get to the woods. There's three screens in the woods. I would actually think there's actually four because you need to go north or path, north or south, at a crossroad, uh, like a split. But they fucking split right back into the same shit on the left-hand side after a screen, so it really doesn't matter. It's three then, screens long, but four screens total. Like, so yeah. you have an alternate middle section there. You get maybe two battles there, and then you're in fucking Vene del Zexe, and you can do side quests there if you want, which takes you north to these cave systems, uh, and you get, like, maybe, I think, five, like, there's, like, two or three forced encounters, and you can do some random encounters. When I was in there, I got maybe one random encounter the whole time, uh, and then you go back to Vene del Zexe, more plot happens, and then you wake up in the middle of the night and you're being chased by knights who fucking pretty much one-shot your ass. So unless you've been grinding or you fucking abuse the lottery like I did to get all the best armor and upgrade your shit, you know, do what uh, Brent did on the stream and get fucking game over. Bunch. Until I went back to a previous save and gr- and did some grinding. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that I feel is pretty old-school RPG, but it's just... It's something about the, the the brevity and length of each of these little zones that you can level in just doesn't tell you, hey, this is a place for grinding. And it doesn't feel like you've done anything in the story to that point so that you should be faced with a situation like that. 
Like, because at first I'm like, okay, well, I just got to run from each of these, right? No, that's not how this works. You have to fight your way out of each of those combats, and they're not easy. So, um, yeah. So anything else you didn't care for there? Uh, nothing that about covers it. All right, so score it for me then, Nick. Uh, it hurts me, but I'm going to give it a three. A three? Um, I think... I think I'll give it a three two. Like, there, like I said, there's there's a lot to do uh, in that in that system. That like I like the skill. I like the way that they uh, the skills was kind of like a secondary rune system. So you have your magic rune thing happening over here, and then you have these other slots that you can do additional customization. But it focuses more on the like uh, combat uh, aptitude over the actual magical effectiveness, which I thought was really interesting, really cool. Yeah, and you even get some characters with innate passive abilities, like yeah. uh, Ace, he can steal uh, money from dudes, and you have some characters that, uh, like, you have support characters, which totally fucking gloss over, which, uh, like, one guy, the bath guy, you can have a support character, and after every fight, he you take a bath, and you recover health. So um, I think those systems are really interesting. Lack of minigames kind of sucked. Um, a lot of the like just esoterica there. So uh, I'll give it a three. I think that's it's fair. It's well deserved. Um, yeah, I'd say like like we said, if uh, your first time playing, you almost need a guide of some sort that just explains what the fuck you're supposed to be doing. Because once you understand what you're supposed to be doing, it becomes a much more enjoyable experience, despite the flaws it has. 110%. I feel like this one for everybody that maybe wanted to play along, we should have done like a, should have had you do like a little 5 to 10 minute like this is what you need to know before you play Soikin in 3 and just put it on the feed that yeah. way we could all been prepared like, uh, cause I, you know, there are some games where I, I, I'm, I'm down for having a guide next to me when I play and then there's others I just kind of want to experience and I was just sitting down playing through this game and I'm like, nope I'm going to need a guide, because this is going to be bad. So, uh, there you go. But our first musical break is yours. What did you pick, and why? Uh, I think it's a song that we both technically picked. Right? Exceeding Love? Yep. Exceeding, um, Transcending Love. Depends on your translation. I don't know what the fuck. I'm just using whatever this OST thing. Yeah. Since the title is. It could be fucking, uh, like, made-up fucking language as a title. Who knows? Anyway, uh, when you start up the game, you have this pretty fucking sweet animated intro uh, that kind of shows some uh, ideas they had for the game. Uh, like you see uh, a little bit where Hugo fights. Uh, fuck, his name starts with an H. The big uh, bear dude. I, the, he's like the the other barbarian character. Uh, I think it's uh, fuck. Ha. Whatever, it doesn't really matter. Um, like they fight, which doesn't happen in the main game. When the like the Chica village, I think is the name of the village, that gets set on fire, uh, is fucking being attacked by Harmonia. Like there's fucking flames everywhere, and I'm like, well, this is sweet. Can't wait to kind of do that, but it never happens. But essentially, it's this pretty sweet, like maybe two and a half, three minute long like intro video, and this is the song that it comes. And it's fucking amazing. Yeah, and um, I will give the intro to this game this like. This game took a long time 
not only because my life is kind of busy, but B, because, like, outside of sitting down to play the game, I didn't really, I wasn't really feeling it. Um, but anytime I put this game in and got that intro, like, it was instant, like, okay, no, we're going to play some fucking Soikin' 3. This is what's happening. Like, it is it is instant hype wagon, hit you with some nonsensical, like, fake language chanting right off the bat. But does it make it any less great? It's fun. We're going to listen to this right now. It's uh, the intro theme song there. Pretty spiffy. It's I, I would rate it on par with Into the Wilderness and Wild Arms. Like those are two mm. best intros I think I've I've ever listened to. Like I always get chills listening to this, and I'm also a big fan of like chanty type things. So, I mean, I don't know if I'd put them on par, but this is right below. You know, just right there. Oh right uh, no, they're like they're that echelon for me. Okay. It's the best. It's this is the best song in the fucking game, so. That's true, but to be fair, Suikoden is not a series that is renowned for its music. It's because they go for this, this weird, uh, folky, uh, tribalistic Japanese Asian sound that is this weird fusion they're doing there, and it doesn't always come across. Like you either, it's either something that you really are into. Or it's kind of you, kind of not. So um, I think they took their uh, fuck. Damn, I can't think of words today. But you know when um, you have a thing and you take from that thing. Yes, inspiration. Thank you. Oh my god, I'm retarded. Uh, like they've taken the inspiration from the Water Margin, which is a Chinese novel. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's a fiction novel, obviously. Uh, so I think they like they try to retain that kind of. Uh, atmosphere from that uh when they put it well, through the uh, first three games at least it's, it's all that that it's a namesake that suiked in folk tale of you know the gods the thing so um yeah no let's go into story how much you lay out the plot on this one for us nick okay I'll leave it to the suiko master to go over it for us essentially uh as we've kind of said already there's three points of view three main points of view. Uh, you got chris lightfellow uh hugo and Godot. 
I think that's how you pronounce his name anyway. Um, Chris is a female knight. She's like uh, a knight captain, I think. Uh, anyway, she's like uh, really important, comes from a noble family, as you have to be to be a knight. Uh, her father, Wyatt, died in, died in combat uh, many years ago. And uh, ever since, she's kind of uh, been trying to live up to his image. Uh, as, as he's, he was hailed as like one of the best knights and stuff. Uh, Hugo is the son of Lucia, who we met in Sweden 2 very briefly. She tried to assassinate Rio. Um, anyway, uh, some of the Korea tribe. Uh, really, like, his storyline is pretty much uh, his best, uh, most annoying fucking character in the game, Friend, gets killed by Chris, and he's like, oh no, fuck, I want vengeance for this. Because there's always been kind of friction between the Grasslands tribes, uh, which are the Korea, uh, which are the typical like barbarian-esque kind of people who live off the land. Uh, the nomads. Horse kind of nomads, shit. yeah. Uh, then you have the lizard people, uh, the duck people, uh, the Chickasha uh, people who are just like, I think, farmers. I can't really remember too much. Like you go there and their town gets burned down really. Uh, and there's some people to the north, which I don't think are counted as grasslands. They like live in the forest. You you kind of go that, there for a while. There's also uh, another uh, town of people with these fucking insect flying bug things that were conquered by Harmonia and uh, are treated as third class citizens, which is a thing Harmonia does. Uh, anyway, uh, kind of rambling on that. But uh, Hugo's shit is pretty much he wants revenge uh, against the Zexans because of the constant clashes they've had over the years and Lulu being killed. Uh, Ghetto is a mercenary that works for Harmonia and he does mercenary things for most of the, for most of the plot. Um, eventually, everybody kind of meets up, uh, finds out that Harmonia is surprise, surprise, uh, a bunch of fucking bullshit. So they got to kind of unite against Harmonia uh, and they kind of harken back to, I can't remember the, the time span, I think it's 50 years ago, where there was uh, the Flame Champion that kind of united everybody against uh, Harmonia before, and uh, like kind of brokered a, an uneasy peace uh, before he vanished mysteriously. Um, everybody kind of uh, heads together to the uh, Flame Champion's hideout, you find out that he gave up his true ruin um, and decided to grow old with his wife, and he's dead. You have to pick one of the main characters to uh, kind of inherit his legacy and lead everybody uh, against uh, the, the villain of the story, uh, who you've encountered multiple times uh, with all the characters. Uh, and depending on who you pick, the story kind of changes a little bit. Uh, canonically, can canonically, can, canonically, whatever. Thanks. Uh, it's Hugo, that's the flame Hugo champion. is a flame champion with Chris uh, inheriting her father's true ruin, which is the water true ruin. Uh, Ghetto, which is some gameplay bullshit, uh, has had the true lightning room the whole time, but you don't fucking get to use any of the true lightning room fucking abilities until. Uh, you figure all this shit out, and he admits to having the goddamn true lightning rune, which is fucking horseshit, because that is the best goddamn rune in the game. Anyway, um, 
things happen. Uh, like you kind of fight skirmishes with like the Harmonia people. But you also have the main antagonist, which is Luck from the or Luke. Luke is how I'd say it. Uh, I would say Luck because Jean Luc Picard, whatever. It's Jean Luc Picard. Picard. You say Jean Luc Picard. It's French. <laughs> Luke. <laughs> whatever. I don't give a fuck. It's Luck for me. No, uh, it's not. It's Luke for everybody. It's luck. That's how I pronounce it, and that's how I will continue to pronounce it. Well, you're wrong. Uh, whatever. I don't give a shit. Uh, anyway, uh, you've kind of been, been harassed by his gang of thugs uh, throughout the whole game. Like, you've gone to, like, ruins, and you've seen Uber, Luck, and Sarah. Uh, they're kind of doing shit, and they fight you. And Most of the times you fight these guys, you're supposed to lose, but you can win. Uh, but it, it's that whole uh, you win, but they still fucking win in the end anyway. Like they somehow do whatever they wanted to do, which is whatever. It's a cop out, but it's it's, it's plot plot armor, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, you eventually find out that Luke uh, is a clone of Hikusak, as well as Sasurai is a clone of Hikusak. And they are were created uh, to house true ruins for this guy because he wants to be uh, the owner of all twenty-seven true ruins, which is physically impossible because you can only possess one true rune at a time. So he made clones. Uh, so Luke pretty much uh, has like an identity crisis, and that's why he is up to and he's up to a game where uh, he's almost a sympathetic villain, I'd say. Because he wants to be freed of this destiny that's been bestowed upon him with this true wind rune and the, what he sees in his future and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he has no sense of self because he's like, I'm not a real person. I'm yeah. a clone. My whole purpose is to live forever as the fucking host for this true rune that I don't want. I don't want anything to do with any of this. Uh, so his goal is to gather the five elemental true ruins, uh, that being the wind, fire, water, lightning, and earth, uh, and perform a ritual at some Sindar ruins, and essentially destroy a true ruin, and then uh, avert this great catastrophe that's supposed to befall uh, humanity that the true ruin kind of... Uh, has shown him? Uh, yeah, has shown him, and it's like... When you, it's like this weird white and black balance says one out thing where humanity has been wiped out because they bring chaos or some shit. It's not really explained that well. His, his like, his reasoning. All he, I pretty much tied it into. He has no sense of self. He doesn't care if he lives or dies. He hates Harmonia because Hikisak and everything they stand for, and he wants to help humanity in his own way, his own flawed way. So essentially, he, his plan is to uh, avert this coming catastrophe by uh, destroying the gods, quote-unquote, which is like, true ones are like the closest thing to gods in this world, where they control uh, the, mach the machinations behind the scenes, everybody's fate, destiny, all this kind of shit. Uh, and I feel like the theme of Sweden Games is to subvert fate. And in a sense, I would say Luke is the main character of this game, because uh, as in the other uh, entries in the franchise, typically the main character is the one uh, that, well, that does whatever he has to do to subvert fate, and that's what he's trying to do. Whereas the other characters in this game kind of just 
bumble along whatever yeah. paths are presented to them. And I would also like to point out that like Luke serves as almost like the Deus Ex Machina in at least one of the previous games, um, where he just kind of shows up out of nowhere for no reason and saves the party. Um, so Luke as a character, I would like to say is is fairly interesting if you ask me because we see him in one and two, um, and then but as an ally, as someone on our side, even if he's kind of weird. Right, he always comes across as kind of weird, and then and it's really mysterious because like the times you see him, he doesn't say much. He just like this is my these are my orders. This is what I'm supposed to do for you. Yeah, and and so like as long as we've seen him, we've had there's been somebody like pulling his strings, affecting him, whether it be this person behind the scenes he's a clone of, or like Lechnot in mm-hmm. in the which what was that one or two? I don't remember which one. Both. 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 Yes. So, Which is an interesting thing about this game. The main, the nobody in the main game sees Lechnot. Only Luke. So, um, that's that's uh, that's that's why I think Luke is an interesting um, character. However, I would like to point out that I'm not a fan of the story focus on the elemental true true rooms. Because there are so many cool true runes in the Suikoden universe, like the to have the focus fall on these elemental elemental true runes, like kind of felt not fun. If you get, I can see that. Like they're underwhelming in comparison to like the rune of punishment, the true beast rune. Like these are really cool runes. Okay, but really, how? much that those runes tie into the plot they were they're mainly like like uh Suikoden one you get the uh soul leader and you're running away from windy and that's yeah really... so it serves as they serve as the and they always do and i think this is why this game's different is because they're always this they're almost a they're a driving force but they're not the plot of the game right like yes. they are they're there to move these other political and human level sort of motive like machinations right is they they're always there to serve and move those little those little things forward whereas this game like becomes very much about the true runes as opposed to every other one and the one game that becomes so much of the story is driven around this character and his desire to do shit with these true runes that uh it it doesn't turn they don't turn out to be anything other than the true earth rune and the true water rune and the true fire rune you you, you can't get what i mean like yeah there's also i guess uh ties into how there's real no like there's it's very light on the political anything in this game. Like, you get some hints of it. Like, there's unrest between the Zexans and the Grasslanders. Well, they start off there. Harmonia. They... And, like, the Lizard Clan people, uh, chief, like, gets assassinated and shit. You're like, okay, this is kind of going somewhere. And then they drop it all in favor of the, the true uh, Elemental Road shit. Yeah, no, that's, and that's, I think that's another one of my key issues is that it it does that right because it starts off there 
where you're like, all right, I'm going to go, especially if you do Hugo's chapter first, where you come back and then all of a sudden Chris is killed Fucknut, like she fucking kills Fucknut, and you're like, what is happening here? I thought that's one of the playable characters, right? So it, and then you, it's just, it starts there, and every Soaking game has all these political and human level things happening that's pulled by these runes, but this game just drops it all, drops the whole facade, and like, no, we're all chosen ones for chosen runes. And it's like, that's not the story that Soikin is supposed to tell me, and it, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's not that, um, there was the things I liked, it just was particularly underwhelming in that regard. How would you rank, uh, in your opinion, each of the POV characters? Like, which one's your favorite, which one's your least favorite to play as? Hmm. Man. All right. Well, I feel like Hugo. Well, and canonically, Hugo is the quote-unquote main character, if you ask me, because he becomes the flame champion. He looks thematically like every other um, main protagonist we've had in in a Soikoden game. Um, but like, I think each of them has something to give because that's where Soikoden's strength is is in having a variety of characters with starkly contrasting personalities like Gado's crew I love those guys those were those guys are way fun to be around but then you have Chris's section where I feel you get the most the most wait what is happening here like there feels like they're like for the first two chapters like Chris's first two chapters you feel like there's a lot that's where you get more of that political tension from because you feel like nobody's telling the truth. Yeah. Um, kind of thing where like everybody is just lying to everybody for just the worst kind of reasons. Um, so they each took something that Soikoden gives you plot wise. And, and instead of it all meshing together, you ended up with they're each in these individual places. If you ask me. Um, yeah. So like uh, like they stripped the formula and put and gave it to three different yeah so like characters. Hugo has this this child of circumstance and that driving protagonist force and reason behind him like that that that, that, that naive we can do everything that um, that emotional naive connection to want to do the right thing right like that's the Hugo story and then you have um sort of a lot of the uh, I don't want to say flippant what's the word where they don't like you have a lot of there's really colorful characters in Ghetto's uh, crew and with Ghetto himself like he's this very uh, not ephemeral just uh, mysterious character right with a lot of things happening that you don't want to you won't find out till later like he would always like he even looks like that character in every other Soikoden game. He looks like a combination between uh, the two slap nuts that, that follow you around in the first two games. There's Victor and... Uh, what's, the, what's the guy in blue's name? Flick. Like, if you combined the look from those two people and gave them black instead of blue, like, he's that character. He's just those two people into one character, right? Yeah. Like, um... So... It, and then you have Chris's. Chris is where I felt you got a lot of the 
she's the plot yeah she's the she's the the typical uh political plot is is hers there so um yeah that's that's I, so it'd be hard to rank them they're each they each bring their own Fair thing enough. like so, uh, I mean, I, how would you rank them? Uh, I would say... And why? I'm really, I'm really biased. I think Ghetto's, Ghetto's section is my favorite, mm-hmm. because he's my favorite character. Yeah, I mean... Uh, and I, I like the... Like, I don't like having Isla in the... Like, I'm... But whatever. Uh, but I like their whole section, even though it doesn't really have any... The game... Like, he kind of just... Get, you get to the flame champion section, and he's like, "Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I remember I, I used to be best friends with the guy, me and Wyatt, uh, and Flame Champion, because you, you never get his, you never learn his name. Uh, fought everything in the past together. Wasn't that great? And it's like, oh, so that's your plot relevance. Got it. Uh, and then I like, I would say I like Chris's uh, second best because you get a lot of the political." Uh, information from that section of the game and I thought it was uh, interesting when Nash shows up and you kind of go undercover with him to kind of really f- figure out what the fuck is happening because uh, you have like the the, count- the Zexan council saying one thing, you got the grass hunter saying another thing and she's like, I need to know really what the fuck's going on. So you go with Nash, uh, do that kind of thing which is cool. Um, and my least favorite is Hugo because he um He's that thing that every other RPG has in a protagonist, right? That yeah. that that I'm doing it for my family, my friends. This this power of this heart. This is the right thing to do. You yeah. know, like that that every that's every game has that. And yeah, the world is wrong. We must fix it. Yeah. So I mean, it's something you need. Like I mean, if we're talking like Game of Thrones, like he's like, you know, yeah. We won't make that comparison because I don't want to do that. Right now. <laughs> um, but is there is there so? For me, I definitely enjoyed the the idea of breaking it into the three different paths that converge. Execution-wise, I think there's some left to be desired there, but the concept is really cool and interesting. Yeah, because I definitely say there's a reason why it hasn't happened again. Because, so while you do get to see a lot of those, you have to end up having to read a lot of those dialogues over and over again, but then you also get that extra scene before and maybe after where you get to see how what made that interaction play out the way it did from different standpoints um but it i just don't think they did it well enough to make me go i need more of it in my life you're right you know yeah like it is an interesting concept uh, but like you said it's not everything they have is not uh like substantial enough to warrant it uh in hindsight yeah, because a lot it, it of the stuff been... you get to see twice is what, uh, they're they're the staring contest in Brass Castle. Like, fuck off! I don't need to see that twice. Yeah, Lulu being a fucking nitwit, you know, yeah. and you're like, uh, fuck that. I wish, I wish, uh, the fuck the squire kid. I can't remember his name. Uh, would have like pushed his ass to the ground and they started like a fight or something. That'd been what Lulu deserved, and then fucking Chris could have killed him right there. Piece of shit. <sighs> oh, well. So. It was, it was it, yeah. So, uh, uh, is there anything particular 
I mean, that, that really stood I, up to you? One I really, other? really enjoyed uh, unlocking playing as uh, Luke in this party. Okay. Uh, because I, uh, you never ever get to play as the villains, really. Uh, and, but in my mind, he wasn't the villain of this game as much as he is uh, like an anti-hero in his own way. Mm-hmm. Where he's, all, he's doing his own thing. He's doing what he thinks is right. And he's not trying to be malicious about it. Like, he's like, yeah, shit. Yeah, he's, like, no Luca, are... he's no Luca Blight. Yeah, like, he, like, there's, like, bad, he's like, things will happen, but the destination is the most important thing. We gotta get there. We have, I have to do what I have to do. The ends justify the means. Exactly. Um, and it doesn't help that he's, like, tagging along with fucking Uber. Yeah. Uh, like, that heartless piece of shit. But, uh, that makes me miss Pesmerga. Like, where the fuck is Pesmerga in this shit? Pesmerga's supposed to be chasing Uber's ass. He was chasing his ass in the first two. Well, they ditched where him. The fuck is, where ditched the fuck him. is Pesmerga? Like, you would... They decided whatever. that there's a million better names in the universe than ever having to bring up Pesmerga's name again. Whatever. I like Pesmerga. No, he's an awesome character. Worst name ever. Worst <laughs> name ever. Whatever. Uh, yeah, so I thought that was really cool. And it kind of gets... Really, that, that side of the, the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was okay. It's not the, the best plot ever. It's not the worst. It's I think it's slightly it's above okay. average. It's just not there's there's something they're trying to do there that I think is cool, and it's got a lot of the right pieces for a Suikoden plot. But there's just something in the assembly and the execution of it that is not. Not on point. If um, they had focused on one main lead, like if they had done the main, the game surrounding Luck, uh, Luke or something, like I don't know how that would have, like how they would have done it, but I feel like that would have been a, a much more compelling game. Like have him actually go against her, like recruit these remnants uh, of like like the Grasslanders and the Zexans and whatever, and kind of wage war against Harmonia. That would have been better to me, but. It is what it is. Absolutely. Um, do you have any other key points that stand out to you, things you liked or really didn't like um, story-wise? No. I mean, it's it's still got your standard um, tons of characters. You're not going to get that all the character development in the world out of each of them, but they're... they're Soikin does this thing really well where it has all these characters, but each of them is such a caricature character. I can't even say that word right now. They're so caricature, caric that word that I can't still say. Uh, that they don't. At least need, we're swapping mispronunciation. That that uh, they don't they don't need it. Like they're they're their own character, right? Like that's they. Of course they don't. You would never make a you know a a novel around that character. But they're fun. They're interesting. They're bright. They're vibrant. They're very unique. So that you don't need all that. And that's I think that's the fun part of um, Soikinen as well. So it's definitely uh, the, one of the strongest points for the series. All the characters. Now I think I will say I think this game did the hundred and eight stars the weakest, um, in my opinion. But that they're still there, so that's a bonus. Well, I think it's a byproduct of having three different plot some, lines. Yeah, spend so much resources on the three different plot lanes, making sure that no matter what order you do them in, uh, you kind of get different, like you maybe get some bonus cut scenes, 
Uh, like if you play Hugo first and go uh, in chapter one and bring the sigil or whatever that uh, Jimba <coughs> Wyatt gives you uh, to his house, give it to the butler, uh, and you play as Chris, uh, they bring that up. But if yeah. you don't do it that way, you don't get that scene. Yeah. So um, go ahead and rate it for me. Uh, I would say they tried some interesting concept, but it kind of fell flat. Um, I'll give it a three and a half. All right. Um, I'll give it a four. Like, it's still better than kind of the run of the mill formulaic uh, RPG. It's not winning. It's not perfect. It's not. Um, but if it wasn't for some of the if it wasn't for the interesting characters I don't think I would have invested the amount of time I invested in this game like if it was just if it was your typical we have to save the world because it's saving the world then yeah this would have been a real bad day for me so I'll give it a four um, up next is my first music choice it's titled here is Duckling I've also seen it titled Stupid Ducks um, it's this it's a really interesting piece, right? Because I know we're talking about duck characters here, and we're going to talk way more about duck characters later, trust me. But uh, it's got this weird sort of tango in these interludes that's, that's, that's real spicy. But it's, it's, it's a fun song, and it's not overly bearing in a lot of, you know, like that carnival music uh tangy pingy oh, sounding stuff like that fucking fantasy star four song yeah so um it's fun i like it we're going to play it we're going to listen to it That was Stupid Ducks. Uh, next up, we got... What do we got? We got... Music and visuals? Visuals and music. So, visually, it's not as impressive as other things on the PS2, including sequels to this game, I think. Um, 
4 and 5 obviously look better because they have more time to refine it. Uh, it's visually... That, and they went uh, proportionate with their characters as opposed to chibi or whatever the fuck this shit is. Yes. Um, well, they don't... They're more proportionate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 4 and 5 are more pro- proportionate. This is more um, squat, uh, chibi-esque almost, I would say. Um, like really blocky. Really blocky. It's it's not. I think it's a fair sort of transition from like two to three, um, because it's it's a first introduction into this three D, and it's kind of how do they take this art style that they were using into that they could easily sort of translate into this beautiful sprite work and put it into this three D uh, modeled environment. Uh, that being said, not this way. It's not. It's not great. It's not great. I think it's a fair attempt. I I, I mean, uh, it's just not um, the best. Well, it's like you were saying. Like they they went. They took a we took, they took a step to the side. Like they took the Suikoden aesthetic, and they're like, uh, well, eh, we're kind of move over here because it they. They showed with Suikoden 4 that they can retain the type of aesthetic uh, that they were going with from like Suikoden 2. Um, and they just... I guess maybe they didn't try it as hard as they, as they could have. Yeah, like I think it really comes down to they don't they didn't know what they were doing with the, with the 3D space, really. I don't know. Um, it results in a lot of the characters being kind of basic. There's not a whole lot of... Uh, the same level of personality to each of the character models as there are in previous games, you know? Um, everyone's kind of... They they almost look like they're out of fucking uh, Ocarina of Time instead of, like, a... Yeah. They're very... Like, if you know the, how the characters and models look in Ocarina of Time, this is very much like that. Um, overly polygonal, uh, very basic. Um, not... Again, I hesitate to say terrible, but not good. Not good at all. Um, character portraits still look good. Spell effects yeah. and stuff are look fine. Um, the uh, intro animated cutscene looks amazing, but that's that's anime. So what you gonna do? Yeah, there's some CGI in the game too, but mm. it's okay. Not great. So. Uh, Visuals, what you guys say about it? Uh, no, like they did well enough that you can that every character kind of retains their own. Um, like you got uh, fuck, god damn it, not Mel. Is it Melvin? Mm. Yeah, because Elliot, because Elliot's the the guy with the glasses. That's right. Uh, yeah. Like Melvin's, uh, got that like kid adventure looking vibe. Uh, like. Elliot's got the the nerdy uh, like archaeologist kind of look to him, um, and this kind of like it kind of goes with every character. Like you can definitely tell each character has their own unique identity, uh, which kind of ties in uh, to what Brent was saying about them all having their u- unique kind of personalities within the game uh, still. Uh, so I think they did a good job good job of capturing that. Um, the like in battle animations are decent. It, like they do this weird thing though, where like 
when they swing and they hit, there's like a brief pause while the damage pops up. And then they kind of, if they have another attack going, they kind of go into their next attack animation. Uh, and more damage pops up. And it's, uh, I guess, like Brent, uh, Brent was saying, maybe limitations to the hardware uh, or whatever, the, maybe the programming. Uh, but it kind of messes with the flow. Yeah, it slows things down more. Yeah. Uh, so kind of like coming off of Sweeping the Two, where everything is uh, animated so well, uh, like you get very fast, fluid uh, attack uh, like rounds going. Um, you come to this, uh, you, you see everybody trudge along, do the hits, and then kind of that's it. And it's there's no real flourish to it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. No panaz. Yeah. It um, goes from fast and fluid to like this soft and blocky. And it's... It's kind of just a, almost like a... It's not like a bland aesthetic, but there's nothing... There's no, there's no vibrancy to it. Yeah, uh, everything's like there's kinda, nothing. Yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of. It's not bad. It's okay. Uh, with uh, all the visuals, like nothing looks ugly or horrible. Um, like the towns are done well. Um, uh, like the fields are looks look pretty good. Like everything looks like a like a. Cannot like a AAA developer like Konami made it. It's not like fucking indie or nothing like that. Uh, it's just they learned to there. use the PS2 much better than After it was the... used here. It's this, like this is we early... need to make an RPG. This is what you got. Work with it. Yeah. Figure it out. So um, yeah, it's just early, and I don't want to like hold it against them that it was so early. It's just, you know, I can't help but feel like if, if let's say, God forbid, because I love the way Soikoden 2 looks, but if Soikoden 2 had been a 3D game, I guarantee you Soikoden 3 would have looked better. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, Soikoden 3, they just tried everything and so much new and different that even if they had nailed half of it, I think the other half failing would still have dragged this game down. Um, personally, because they just tried so much new, and that enabled them to say, "Okay, this is these are the things, these are the elements we can change. This is what we need to learn how to do better to move into four and five. Um, so visually, I'm gonna give it a two point five. Where are you at, Nick? I'm at about um, I would say I'm about a two point five because uh, like they removed a lot. Like there's no overworld, so that's a big negative on the visuals. I mean, like, there's a world map, but it's literally, like, Breath of Fire 4. It's Final Fantasy Tactics. It's the little dots. Yeah, like, you move, like, you get a fucking, like, you get a little square image of the, kind of what the location you're going to looks like, and then you get, like, a green dot, and sometimes a square, and it's like, okay. I don't really know what those mean. Oh, actually, I think I do. Like, green dots are, like, a uh, Fuck, like battle, like explorable locations, like fields, uh, and dungeons and shit. Where like I think the squares are towns, but uh, it's 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 just felt like there's something missing yeah. in the visuals department. There's something missing from the whole game, really. But well, I mean, if we just want to talk about visuals and the use of color, I mean, think about 
I mean, I hate to compare it to... We keep comparing it to other games in the series, but we're going to fucking do it. Look at Suikoden 2, right? These characters, if they're wearing white, they're wearing white. If they're wearing red, it is this bright, vibrant red. Blues, greens, purples, everything, just everywhere. Just color, 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 color. Here we come, and what what is Hugo's outfit? Like a burnt sienna? Like, what is that? Like, and make it... Make and it he's orange. bronzed. He is bronzed, so it all looks it's the same color. He's got bleached blonde hair, bronzed tan skin, and he's wearing like the black or the brown fucking gown yeah. or whatever the hell it is. Make it orange. Like if you're gonna use an orange, make it fucking orange. Like these this this is supposed to in like it's just so kids always been so colorful and they step back into that with, with four and five with flying colors, so it's just here is just everything's so muted. It's not what we're used to seeing. That's almost like they're like, okay, we're going 3D. We have to make it look more real, I guess, but not really, because yeah. they still had big anime eyes and giant balloon heads, like and ducks, duck people, lizard people. Yeah, Jesus. So, um, yeah. All right, music. Like we said, Soikinen's not known for OSTs. They try and evoke a certain feel. Um, they do so with varying success. Uh, there weren't a ton of tracks in here that I was like, um, but there weren't also a ton where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make sure I download this later so I can have this for all time. Um, so yeah, how do you feel about the music here? Uh, I would say the music's probably the strongest point this game has. Um, because there are there's, there's a few meddling tracks, uh, but each uh, track that you listen to does a really good job of evoking the uh, environment that you're in. Typically, um, like the Duck Village song we just heard makes me think of fucking duck people. Like when you when you are in the Duck Village town and you listen to Duck Village song, you're like these kind of mesh well together. This is really nice. Um, the, like, uh, I guess the song we're about to listen to next, uh, like when you're fighting a really difficult boss, uh, that sounds adequately uh, intimidating. Um, the Vene del Zexe uh, music sounds like a fucking seaport town. It's, uh, they do a really good job on that, I would say. Uh, and the, uh, I guess we don't really cover this very much, but the sound effects that the game has, for the most part, are serviceable. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree. Like, I think it's adequate at best. I think uh, it does its job. Fair. I just don't think it's you outstanding. Always, you always shit on Suikoden music, so it's no different here. I don't always shit on eh, I kind of do. <laughs> you just like you're always like it's fucking folky bullshit. I don't like it. I'm just not into that 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 uh. Japanese this is the folk least music. folky bullshit. I don't know. It it's pretty folky, like ja- Japanese folk music. Like it's a lot of like. This this is they use instruments you may not have heard before. It's, it's bad. No, that's not true. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> So, uh, so what are you giving it? I'm gonna give it a three. What are you giving it? I'm gonna give it a four. Okay, that's fine. If I could punch the desk again and make a giant 
noise. That'd be great. Uh, next break. Uh, I've been accidentally hitting the desk when I twitch the songs. Yeah, that's because you're bad at what you do. Next song choice is yours. What is it and why? Uh, I believe it's called Bleed, but that's, again, the whatever the fuck OST thing we listen to. And it's essentially uh, when you're about to fight um, like a really strong monster uh, or an enemy or, or uh, like Uber, for instance, uh, the song's going to play, letting you know that you're pretty much uh, screwed. Yep. Nope, that's the wrong one. I just had but Blade yeah. open. I don't know why I clicked. <laughs> you should have fucking played that shit straight, Experience and replayability. Like I say, every time overall experience is a expectations versus reality type thing for me. Um, this game didn't do so well in that regard. Uh, first off, it's a Soikin game. I got a lot of lot of love for Soikin. This is probably the only Soikin I haven't played, um, minus the uh, handheld ones. I haven't played any of the handheld ones. But prior to this, I'd played one, two, four. Five and tactics, uh, and this is kind of disappointing. Really, uh, it's not. It's not even that it's not what I wanted. It's just that it's not even standalone. I don't think would be an exceptional title. Like even if it wasn't carrying Soikoden weight, I don't know if it would be um, amazing. I think it would just be another like Midland. Uh, RPG, for to be honest, uh, that's not to say I didn't have fun. You know, there's some stuff that's that's going on that's that's fine. Um, wow, Anderson, you can go fuck yourself. You told him the DS thing. Is that's the best. that's not a fucking Suikoden game, you piece of shit. Oh my gosh, here we go. You'll make me stroke out like fucking Glenn, you motherfucker. All right, so. So in three, overall experience for me, I'm gonna give it a two point five. Um there the story's cool, it's got some cool stuff going on for it, but uh you know, it's not it was just, just disappointing, because like I said, overall experience is expectations versus reward. 
Um, I know you probably prior to this playthrough held it in fairly high regard, um, mentioned it quite a lot in personal conversations, so it's just not... It had a lot of hype for it, and it didn't live up to much, if any. So, um... When do, when do my recommendations ever, Brent? Don't know. I'll have to think on that one. What do you get? Overall experience? Because uh, for you, like you said, this is the first time revisiting this game in a long time. From that standpoint, how does it work out for you? Uh, it was kind of like having a ice cold water splash in my face. Okay, how so? Uh, whereas, I guess there was some fucking heavy nostalgia. Like, I must have been on some something good as a kid when I was playing this because uh, playing it again now um, I think I only only was able to enjoy it uh, because it was a Suikoden title and I had played it before so I was familiar with all the systems I can't imagine playing it fresh now I would enjoy it very much um, and that's for all the stuff we like said earlier about how uh, there's a big barrier to entry uh, it's Kind of all over the place uh, with the the way it's doing its plot and everything, um, and I guess I'm kind of biased because I still had a good time playing it, so I'm gonna give it a three and a half overall. That's fair. That is fair. Um, your favorite category, replayability. So I'm actually gonna rate this fairly decently replayable replay, replayability, like because there's a lot of extra stuff to do. Um, there are some missable stars of destiny. I feel like there's less missable ones than previous titles or other titles in general. I felt like you just got so many of them just by playing the game. You know, there wasn't a really a whole lot of really obscure ways to get um the stars in this game, but there are still some to go back and get. Uh you have the alternate points of view in of course uh fuck what's his name? the kid uh, oh shit um, Thomas Thomas or whatever and you have the dog and of course Luke you can unlock um, there's other stuff to do and like I said each time you play through there's something else in that combat system that you'll you'll grab you can grab hold of and learn and so um, replayability I think I'm going to give it a 4 actually where are you at on replayability uh, for replayability, I am going to be a four as well because you can play through it at least three times to experience, um, or it's, I don't know, actually play with it more depending on how you do the, the first three chapters. If you do them in the ideal order from the get go, you probably wouldn't want to play it again because you won't experience any more of the bonus cutscenes. Um, there are a lot of missable items that if you like, if you have full inventory and you, like, get one of the item drops in a battle that are missable, you can kind of lock out of it, whether that be the recipes or whatever random bath accessories you might want to collect. Um, so you can kind of have another chance of getting that uh, on your for next recurring playthrough or whatever. Uh, if you manage to transfer, say, data from Sweden 1 to Sweden 2 and from Sweden 2 to Sweden 3, you do unlock some uh, extra... Uh, skits i think with the uh theater thing you can uh have your characters do. uh and there's also some extra recipe to get that way as well um so you, you can do that if you want to replay the whole series if you haven't up until that point 
to get those extra things, you can do that too. Uh, there are some things you can do to get different, like, you can have some people dual edge, like you pick who you want to dual edge, and some people have different uh, dialogue options. I mean, that's a little thing you can do as well. So there are little things you can experience if you want to replay um, to get yourself a lot of variety, like make a whole new party, which is uh, like Staple of Swickenden. You can choose different characters except for Ghetto's point of view. Uh, so there's really a lot you can do. Like uh, maybe you want to build Hugo as a mage this time, or maybe you want to use him as a, a tank, or I guess like an, an invasion tank or whatever. You can, you can make some more customized options uh, uh, with the addition of that skill uh, tree thing they added. Absolutely. Um, so let's take our last musical break, and when we come back, we're going to answer some questions for the Discord um, and talk about what's next and close out this bitch. Does that sound good to you? That sounds horrible. All right, Mr. Eyebrows. Um, up next is mine. It's called Going on a Journey. I think its title describes it quite well, and you're right if I had played it straight last time, just kept playing that fucking music, it would have been great. Yeah, it totally sounds like something that's going to happen when you get your ass kicked. So um, here we go, Going on a Journey. journey awesome so uh what questions we got in discord nick we have a lot all right what's the first one who's it from um the first one is from kujo he says how bad was it and later adds i mean in comparison to having had played it before which i guess is more directed at me okay uh but i guess you can still say how that it was for you which I think we already covered with. Overall. Yeah, I think our overall experience basically covers that, how we said there. Um, then he asks, how was it playing as the villain? I didn't um, get to play as the villain, but it sounds interesting. I, like I said before, enjoyed it because I thought it was a different take on, uh, I guess, like the, the plot for a game. Um, it, and I wish it, the whole game was about Luke, but hey, what can you do? Um, Cypher, man about town. Fuck Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> um, that one's for you, C-Tan. Fuck Final Fantasy VIII. That's for the whole hashtag, uh, what is it? 
Final Fantasy well, oh, Team Final Fantasy Eight or whatever it is. Well, six of you assholes in the Discord suck a dick. It's about it's... half and half. I think I think I think it's right down the middle with defenders yeah. versus haters. Um, it sucks. Y'all are wrong. You're wrong. I mean, anyway, legitimately uh, wrong. Okay. Kucha has also favorite characters. Uh, end game party. Why? Uh, which. Uh, I'm also, I'm gonna I'm just gonna give that question to Anderson because he's the only one to ask one question and it's pretty much the same thing. He says favorite characters used in battle. All right. Well, um, I was a fan of like Emily and Juan. Uh, I like my fighters dog. Um, but you're right. True Lightning Room is pretty bomb. Uh, Ghetto makes a pretty baller ass mage. Uh, so I mean, just your typical shit then. I always thought he was kind of weird because he's uh he's kind of shown to be like a more physical looking character, but he's definitely way more of a mage. Yeah, no, aesthetically he looks like a fighter, but the bitch is a mage. What, what about you? What, what are your some of your favorite characters using combat? Uh, I really liked uh Ghetto's whole group, his whole squad. So I was uh definitely my favorite part. Uh, of the game that's playing at, in his chapters, where I don't even mind that they're all locked in, because I like the whole group as a whole. Um, when I have freedom of choice, uh, if you know how to build them, Hugo is phenomenal uh, as a physical attacker. Uh, he is so fast that he'll get a lot of good, strong hits in. And he's also, uh, if you flame or uh, true fire rune, uh, he's also a pretty decent uh, fire magic user. So he's good on both fronts there. Um, if you're looking for a tank, Wa is a pretty good tank. Uh, if you give him the wall uh, ruin, he does pretty good. We'll get hit maybe like 5, 10 damage per hit by everything. And if you give him the Firefly ruin, they'll pretty much just uh, soak up all the aggro and leaving all your other characters free to do whatever they want. Um, Mel, if you set her upright, uh, even though she's kind of a, like a weird, almost throwaway kind of character, like, oh, they got a ventriloquist, uh, whatever. Uh, that has an evil doll. Cool. Uh, if you use her, uh, the, her special room, I think it's like Devil something. I can't remember what it's called exactly. But if you build her right, it's uh, like the, it's got like the highest damaging attack in the game. Uh, and I've seen people like one shot the final boss with it. Um, and then pretty much all your martial arts characters, uh, because of how the the time system thing works. It, favor, it favors rapid, uh, rapid physical attacks for sure. Yeah, so uh, like Juan, Emily, Shaban, like you can get them all uh, with the right setup uh, to be just fucking like what like one round clearing whole swaths of fucking dudes. Yeah, and Atari, they're pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty like I was never really like tied to any of the characters because they're you don't spend much time with them because of the way the the plot is like you like you recruit some dudes with one uh character you can't use them until like chapter four and shit so uh it's kind of fucking wonky and so you don't get really tied to them and by the time you're in chapter four uh the game's pretty much over anyway so you just kind of make a party of whoever looks cool to you or something yeah um like watashi looks cool but uh didn't really so much edge is cool i did like having uh fudge back for the bright uh that's pretty cool um, yeah, but really for this game, uh, finding who's the most broken and how to make them the most broken, just like in Sweden 2 with like, uh, Killy and Sheena, 
uh, giving them broken setups is probably my favorite thing to do. Absolutely. 110%. All um, right. Um, what's next? Skithex uh, would like to know, on a scale of 1 to 10, how easy is the game to masturbate to? Oh, big Mama right there at the beginning. Uh, Lulu's Mama, man, had me harder than a rock. <laughs> That's not a. What kind of what? Can you relay that as, as an integer? Uh, a ten. A ten. No, okay. I'm kidding. No, this. There's not. There's not a whole lot. I mean, jeans. There's jeans. Jeans in it. Uh, but she's in every game. And this is like one of Jean's least impressive forms. Yeah. Number five is where it's at. Definitely. Oh, well, Even Kyle agrees. One hundred and ten percent. All right, uh, I'll take the next one. C-Tan says, where do you rank it among 6th-gen console RPGs? Don't it have to be a number, just kind of like high, low, or mid? 6th-gen, that's PS2, Xbox 360? No, no, Xbox. This is regular Xbox, probably. Xbox, yeah. And GameCube? And GameCube. And Dreamcast, probably. I don't know if that's too mm-hmm. early. Dreamcast is like PlayStation 1. No, I guess you could technically count. Because it came out first. Because a lot of Dreamcast games got ported. Yeah, a lot of uh, Dreamcast games got ported to the GameCube later. Um, I guess it's mid for me. Yeah, I'd say mid. I mean, there's a lot of good, good, good RPGs out there in 16, but there's there's, way more trash. There's way more trash too. Um, so yeah, mid's probably fair. Um. Out of so let's do this now. Uh, how would you rank? I mean, we can do all of them, or just the ones we've done for the show. Let's just do all of them. Rank the Soikoden games for me, Nick. All right, it's uh, it's pretty much a toss up between two and five, depending on how I feel uh, on a specific day. Two is ahead uh, of five, and vice versa. Uh, so let's say today two five, uh, one four three, and tactics. Hmm. I'd probably do two, five, four, one, tactics, three. Probably how I'd do it. Because two and five are are arguably the best. And that just kind of, you're right, it kind of depends on the flavor of the week as far as which one's better. Um, most times I'm going to give it the Soikoden 2, though, because 2 is just so so crisp, so clean on everything. Everything works. You get your castle nice and early. You know, there's not a bunch of weird, funny shit uh, yeah, happening. It's, it's not too long, which is sometimes I feel like playing Soikoden oh. 5. I'm like, fuck, this has been going on forever. This one took forever to get a castle, too. Let's be fair. Yeah. This one was almost 40 hours before you touched that bitch. Well, that, they fucking locked it off behind some tertiary bullshit. Yeah, so... Yeah. Um. Next up is. And I don't like Rhapsodia, but you can you do you, man. Rhapsodia. That's the DS one, isn't it? No, that's the Japanese name for tactics. Oh, I like tactics fine. Like I understand you don't like the weird field things you do down. Like it's a weird. Well, I don't know. Game. Like I think I played it for like five hours, and I was like, "This is fucking dumb." I'd rather play Final Fantasy Tactics, so I stopped playing it. Yeah, I know. I. I don't mind it. I don't think it, I don't think it's actively bad. It's just kind of there. It exists. Whereas I would actively avoid playing this again. Fair enough. All right, uh, Blaine J. 
Why aren't there more duck-based heroes in RPGs? Because fuck a duck, man. I don't know. I, it's hard to make a duck look cool. I mean... Uh, Sergeant Joe looks pretty cool. I mean... But it is about it. He's about it. And, but, I mean, ducks can be cool, but they can't be cool in, like, this... Because, like, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, they're cool, right? Like, DuckTales is fun, but... Like... Serious ducks, not cool. Yeah, um, they don't work. Even even like when they try to make ducks badass with like the Mighty Ducks cartoon, it just didn't work out, right? Like, it cartoon was fun enough. It's just they never really came across as badasses. Yes, Hello Train, Perpetual. I don't extra even host. remember fucking my. Like, I remember the, the. I remember seeing the cartoon, but I don't remember. Yeah. So um, basically just Donald and Joe. Yeah, you just have Donald Duck and uh, Kingdom Hearts, and then. Joe here. Well, fuck Donald Duck in Kingdom Hearts. He's the worst fucking piece of shit. Bro, calm fuck. down. And like... fuck Goofy. Fucking hate the goddamn shit. Can't wait to, to we play Kingdom Hearts. You didn't seem so down on it when we talked about it before, Nick. I like Kingdom Hearts, but I fucking hate Donald Goofy. I like, got a problem with him. I wish there were other supporting characters. Goofy's my homeboy. Uh... <laughs> fuck you, damn dog. Whatever the fuck you are, piece of shit. Donald's bitch ass. Ugh, this is not the right review. Anyway. Well, Goofy still promotes slavery. I mean, he's a dog that owns a dog, so go figure. Um, he's also, I think, the other one that's had sexy. Yes, that's probably likely. Um, yeah. Uh, who would win a, Who would win in a fight? Obviously, Joe would kick Donald's ass. Like, is that even a question? I don't... Uh, well, apparently Donald's got all kinds of magic now, or whatever. I mean, yeah, he's a mage, but I still think Joe would take him. I I agree. He's got like a executioner's axe almost, like just kind of right over. Big ass halberd, like nobody's really gonna understand what I'm saying, but like uh, uh like Joe strikes me as the kind of character that would be full on like Falcio status, being like, I just I hate magic. Just sometimes I just hate magic, like. Joe just strikes me as that kind of character, so yeah. he would just be mad at at, uh, at Donald for using magic. I got the reference. Um, which duck would be the most? Oh, how cool would a would a mod be of Duck Hunt with all the duck based characters? Fine, I guess. It'd be what the fuck? It'd be dumb. We we shooting them all? I guess is what he's talking about. Yeah, I guess. So do you have one in particular you'd like to shoot? I mean, Howard the Duck. I wish I could shoot him out of existence. Who the fuck is Howard the Duck? Oh man, Howard the Is Duck. Is he like the Marvel dude? Marvel well, Duck? he's a. I mean, technically, yes, but if you've never seen the George Lucas masterpiece that is the Howard the Duck movie. Mm. No, and I have no desire to. Mm. There are breasts on a duck, my friend. Lovely. And he has sex with uh, Marty McFly's mom, which is weird. Okay. Weird. That, that movie's just. It's a whole nother level. Um, I'll take a word for it. Why in the game of Duck Duck Goose is Goose undesirable? Now, go- all right, so remind well, me that, Duck Duck. It ties duck- into the next question. Wouldn't Duck Duck Pedophile be more apt? I guess. All right, so here's my thing. Like, So when you play Duck Duck Goose, Goose is the one that's got to get up and chase you, right? Yes. 
Geese are fucking mean. If you motherfuckers haven't been around geese, geese will chase you. So it makes much, much sense that you touch a duck, the duck's cool. You touch the duck, a duck's cool. You touch a goose, that bitch is coming after you. 110%. I'm so glad we're analyzing on our podcast. Because... We're going to get into the, the meat of the... Like, around these parts, geese, they show up over in town all the time. And they block up traffic, and every t- every never fails. Every so often, somebody thinks they're going to be big bad and get up out their vehicle and try and chase them off the road, and that never works out for them. They must die every time because them bitches get m- vicious, vicious. And Nick knows this is a true fact. This is yes. the thing that happens around here. It makes very much sense that you touch a, go- a duck, a duck's cool. Touch a duck, duck's cool. Touch a goose, that bitch is taking your finger. Okay, for you know, for never having. Like given any one iota of thought to why Duck Duck Goose is called Duck Duck Goose, thank you for o- awakening my mind to the. Makes sense, right? N- yes. Now you should think about it. Um, Ducktales Two is a good game. Uh, so is one. And the remake, not really an RPG, but maybe we could play it for the show. I'd play the Ducktales uh, game. That's fine. Uh, yes, I think that's more his bag, though. Yeah, I think they already did an episode on it though, so we couldn't guess. Uh, the guy that voiced Scrooge died shortly after the remake, near 100 years old. He also played Wilbur and Mr. Ed. That's cool. I like Darkwing Duck. Do you remember Count Duckula? I remember that. That was a weird cartoon. Uh, Mighty Ducks was pretty cool, I guess. Whatever happened to Emilio Estevez? He's still Charlie Sheen's brother, so good for him. Um, that's all he's got to say on ducks. I mean, don't duck up the podcast. Oh. I hope you die. Uh, so I'm glad we could answer all the duck-based questions here on this duck-themed episode of the Duck BG Show. So, Jesus fucking Christ! Uh, 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 what's our next game? I believe it is Valkyrie Profile. Uh, I playing, sure hope so because I haven't played it. I've been playing it on the the PSP version. Lineth version. I'm gonna play that. Shimizhang. Um I also noticed uh C Tan said he played fifteen minutes of it. That's a solid good fifteen minutes. That's more than I expected. Yeah, he's not gonna make it. I don't think he's gonna make it through. I don't think he made it through C Tan. I'm just saying. Uh, probably not, because he's 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 already shitting on Octopath Traveler. He's what probably played it for like three fucking hours. I don't think that man likes anything. Except, except for Final us. Fantasy Eight. And Final Fantasy VIII, yeah, no, you should. No, he really, he really, I don't think he likes, maybe he likes you, but he shits on me every chance he gets. That's so. because you bring him up to shit talk him on every show. Well, it's because I have to shit on him every chance he gets, because behind the scene, we're actually uh, swingers and we swap by. We have a little thing going on. I'm, I'm just, I'm just fucking around. I'm glad that works for you guys. Um... When do we want to aim to have that review out? I was thinking six weeks. What do you think? So, six weeks? So God damn, that means two off the topic shows. Two off topics first, yeah. Christ. Is there any shitty little game we could play for one of those? Sure. We can find one if you want. How, where do we stand on the Telltale games as viable for this show? Uh, in my opinion, they're pretty much visual novels. I, that's fine with me, I guess. I mean, it's up to you. I mean, we could do another iOS type thing, or we can do one of those. I'm game for anything. 
Then so. you tell me. Well, I guess we don't have to figure it out now. We got a whole off topic between now and then. We could... Yeah. But I'm thinking six weeks on that, um, just to give sure. me enough time. Um, I think that's it. Uh, you can visit our. Yeah, but that game's long, isn't it? Like Gravity Rush is. How long is Gravity Rush? Plus, all right. If I'm gonna be playing a game on the PSP, I don't want another game. It's on a PSP. Vita. Vita, like whatever. Or you can pay absurd amounts, absurd amounts of money for a physical copy of the remaster on the PS4. I think you also maybe get it on PSN for cheaper. Hmm. No thanks. Like maybe twenty bucks. All right. So you can visit our home on the web at therpgshow.com. There's all kinds of good stuff you can do there. There's a linky that will take you to our youtube and twitch chats also our discord you should go there that's where all the cool stuff happens that's where um this apparent wife swapping deal takes place uh is over on the discord uh that's where we get most of our questions for the show too so if you're interested in making sure your opinion on the games we're reviewing is heard join the discord it's where all that cool stuff happens there's links to help the show and all sorts of stuff there you can find us on facebook at the rpg podcast or the rpg show it's at the rpg podcast on twitter we are the rpg show everywhere else you can email us podcast at the rpg show.com the v is very important because if not you're going to be looking at wigs um from the real pretty girl show that's a thing that's not a joke I'm telling you the truth um i wonder how many like wigs they've gotten from us. Zero. I mean, oh, I'm sure somebody would, might have been Would you look like, at hey, how really fucking amazing our hair is? Like, we don't need, we don't need <laughs> fucking wigs. What are you talking about? I meant the listeners, man. Come on. Oh, yeah, no, they want to be like us. That's it. All right, so I guess until next time, say goodbye, everybody. Adios, amigos. You wait to do that, haven't you? Do you have that planned out the whole time? Is that what happened? No, it just, it just came to me. It was a lightning bolt of inspiration. Spanish. Got it. Inspiratino. No, that was that was racist.